The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Nobody Told Me. I'm Laura Owens. And I'm Jan Black. And we are very, very excited to welcome back our guest on this episode, best-selling author Greg McEwen. Greg is a highly respected leadership and business strategist, and he's the author of the New York Times bestseller, Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. Now, that book explored how we can do less but do better in every area of our lives by embracing the practice of essentialism. Greg's newest book is another New York Times bestseller. It's called Effortless, Make It Easier to Do What Matters Most. Greg, thank you so very much for joining us again. It's so great to be with you again. Thank you for having me. Now, tell us what sparked this latest book, Effortless. Um, Well, uh, Essentialism sparked this latest book because it changed everything for me. It was the most extraordinary adventure. It's it's, it's opened up opportunities the world over. Uh, But with that uh, came... Uh, challenges, uh, among which uh, were, were just were just feeling myself a bit stretched too thin, despite being more selective, despite being more selective than I'd ever been. And then, it, in addition to being the father of essentialism, uh, I was now father of four children, uh, increase of responsibilities. And in addition to that, had a family emergency where one of my daughters went from the picture of health. Uh, into uh, what turned out to be a neurological disease uh, that uh, that discombobulated her life and ours. And I just found myself going, okay, uh, what happens if you have too many absolutely essential things to do? What happens if you have, to use the metaphor, too many big rocks and they just don't fit into the container of your life? Uh, do you put down the essentials? Do you just start to eliminate essentials in order to move forward? Or is there a different, better way? Uh, and I found that there really was two paths. You can take challenging situations and make them harder. And that's the heavier path. Or you can say, well, what if there is a smarter, better, more effortless way to do what matters most? And that really is what sparked me on this journey uh, to to codify, write, and then publish the new book, Effortless. You said that you took a different path than most of us would have taken when your daughter got sick in terms of talking to the doctors. Tell us about how you did that, why you did that, and how you found joy. Well, I didn't know there were two paths for how to deal with a situation like this until we were in it. I mean, literally, she went from being so full of light uh, full of humor, full of physical energy, uh, to to just be discombobulating, so that personality is effectively gone. Uh, monotone voice, everything incredibly slow. Took her two minutes to write her own name. Um, 
took hours to eat a meal and the neurologist had not even the beginning of a diagnosis. So that's the stuff that agony is made of, is you watch this free-falling capability and you can do nothing about it. The path that we saw ahead of us at first is where you just get consumed in in this problem and no other, uh, that you maybe start to ask things like, well, why is this happening to her? Uh, you know, uh, we can complain maybe a bit about why the neurologists don't know more. Uh, and you could get yourself into a state of anxiety where you, you actually become no good to anybody, but all for good motives because you're trying to help your daughter get well. And instead of that, we just discovered it was like that we suddenly saw that there were two paths that there was an alternative path, one that, you know, if I would just describe a sort of lighter way of living where instead of being in a state of suffering, you could be in, a, in, in what I now call an effortless state where you're present and you're grateful for anything you possibly can be grateful for, uh, where you, you're, you're laughing still and you're playing together and you're getting around the piano and singing and, and you're going on walks and, and you're, you're, you're really... Um, you know, praying together as well. And yes, sometimes there are tears. There's, it still is what it is. There's a great challenge in front of you. But instead of taking that hard thing and making it harder, it, this second path allowed us to, to live uh, in a gentler way. And that turned out to be an in, a really important strategy because it meant that we could sustain the pace of this undiagnosed situation for an unspecified period of time. It went on, as it turns out, for the next two and a half years, plenty of ups and downs along the way. If we'd taken the heavier path, who knows what sort of situation we'd have been in? Uh, and who knows if we'd have fully got through the process? Because if you get into a, a state of suffering instead of the effortless state, it affects your decision-making. And you can continue to make things worse and worse as you get into a worse and worse state. And while most people listening to this have not had this, thankfully, situation uh, specifically, most people listening have had challenges in their lives, especially over the last year and a half, where it just, things didn't work out how they thought they were going to work out. And, and so maybe they have started to find themselves on the edge of exhaustion or the edge of burnout or way past it. And when we find ourselves in a situation like that, what got us here won't get us there, won't get us out of it. And so, so I think effortless has the power of relevancy because we all need to shift from a state of suffering uh, and struggle into a more effortless state so that we can enjoy this moment, so that we can make better use of this moment, and so that we can go forward uh, and actually focus on the things that will make things better in the future. Tell us more about this effortless state and how we can get into it and why it can make our lives easier. Everyone's experienced the exhausted state, uh, you know, that sensation where you're foggy brained, uh, you, you can't find your keys, you, you've, you get a text from somebody and you're irritated by it. Somebody asks you, a child asks you to braid the hair or something and you resent it. You, you, it it's like nothing's easy everything's a bit harder. And, and then let's say you have a warm meal, a hot shower, good night's sleep, and you wake up the next morning 
and, and you're clear again and you're not foggy anymore. You, you find your keys right where you left them. You understand the context for the person who texted you and you, you can handle it gracefully. Like everything's different. Everything's better. Actually, the facts are all the same, but but your state is is so different that you are experiencing those external um, experiences in, in a completely new way. That, that's a, you know, most of us have experienced something like what I just described, both the, the, the negative and the positive. So effortless state, I'm arguing that we, we ought to work to spend more of our lives there. Uh, because, not just because it's a better, more, not just because it's a more enjoyable way to live, uh, but because it has a positive upward momentum about it. Uh, when you're in an effortless state, you tend to be able to take effortless action so that you can achieve things without forcing them. You, you can improve a relationship without trying to manipulate it, that you can uh, get the you know, the, the, the work done without overcomplicating it. And if you can get into effortless action, you can also start to achieve effortless results, which is the sum and bonum of, of, of this new uh, book and project, where you can get to the point where you construct a life where results start to flow to you, and sometimes without any additional effort. And so that relationship between effortless state, effortless action, and effortless results is a compelling value proposition in an age when sometimes I think there's only two kinds of people in the world, people who are burned out and people who know they are burned out. In that kind of environment, you want to discover uh, if there is a different path, and, and I'm advocating that there is. We want you to know how glad we are to have you as part of our Nobody Told Me family of listeners. You know, you may have heard us talk before about our sponsor, Ritual, and we're excited to tell you about another great product from Ritual. It's called Symbiotic Plus. It's my daily three-in-one clinically studied prebiotic, probiotic, and postbiotic designed to help support a balanced gut microbiome. We've been big fans of Ritual's essential multivitamins and essential protein products for many reasons. We really appreciate that with Ritual's one-of-a-kind visible supply chain, you know the what, how, and why of every labeled ingredient. With Ritual's Symbiotic Plus, I get two of the world's most clinically studied probiotic strains to support the relief of mild and occasional digestive discomforts like bloating, gas, and diarrhea. And why include a postbiotic? Well, it provides fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining and supports a healthy gut barrier. Symbiotic Plus comes in a delayed release capsule that's designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract for delivery to the colon, an ideal place for probiotics to grow and thrive. Symbiotic Plus comes in an all-in-one single nested minty capsule. There's no refrigeration needed, so it's easy to take with you when you travel. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. It's time to listen to your gut. Ritual is offering our Nobody Told Me listeners 10% off during your first three months. 
Visit Ritual.com slash NTM to start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. All you have to do is visit Ritual.com slash NTM to start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and this product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Visit Ritual.com slash NTM to start Ritual or add Add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. When we're feeling burned out, I think that it's so much easier to complain. And one of the best (laughs) things I think I have ever heard is when you said that every time you complain, you think of something that you're grateful for. And I'm wondering when you started to do that, did that make you realize that you were more or less grateful and that you complained more or less than you actually thought you were? I complained way more than I realized I did once I started this little habit recipe uh, for getting back into the effortless state. After I complain, I say one thing I'm thankful for, and suddenly you realize the ratio isn't even close to 50-50 at present, at least for me. Uh, Complaining is one of the easiest things to do in the whole world. But if you can get the ratio even 50-50, you significantly increase your positive state, the relationships around you. It's, it's, it has an almost magical force to it and quite instant in its effect. Uh, we started introducing it to our children as well. I remember at one point upping the ante, every complaint, you had to say three things you were thankful for. And my son at one point said, um, yeah, he complained. And then he said, I said, okay, three things. He said, oh, I'm so thankful that dad's playing that game where we have to say three things we're thankful for every time <laughs> that we complain. And he said it just like that. And it made all of us laugh and it worked even with that sort of complaining attitude about the thing you're grateful for. Gratitude is not is no soft principle. The people that think it is are just wrong. It is dynamic, it is catalytic, it is transformative. And if you can do it in every situation, it will be utterly game-changing. So the principle behind it uh, is this. If you focus on what you lack, you lose what you have. And if you focus on what you have, you gain what you lack. And, and that, that's the transformative part I'm trying to get to, is that as you focus on the things that are going right, uh, as you are thankful, even for the challenges of your life, even for what's going wrong, you will start to see things change. And, and, and it happened in the midst of our daughter being so sick. We saw that as we focused on what we had, we saw that we would gain the things we lacked. And it happened throughout the experience. I love the analogy you make in the book about how a computer slows down when its hard drive gets cluttered with files and browsing data, and that the same thing happens with our brains sometimes. And I think we've all experienced that when we just have that overwhelming feeling. Well, I completely agree with that. And, uh, and, and just think of the mental clutter that we, that we add. I was speaking with, um, with Tim Ferriss on his podcast not long ago, and I asked him what percentage of his mental and emotional energy was being cluttered with, let's say, grudges and anger. Uh, and he said that between about the ages of 15 and 30, 
So a 15-year period of his life, he probably spent 60 to 70% on those things. Just think about what that would do to make the machine run slow. Think about how much of his capability is just being utilized on the wrong non-essential activity. Uh, and, and, and how, what a rebate it is if you can declutter that. And suddenly the effortless state is right there. And we all have the effortless state. It's available to us. It's just hidden behind all of this mental clutter and emotional clutter we're holding on to when we don't need to hold on to it. And so I, I, I advocate that people should ask specifically of the grudges, although there are other, there's other mental clutter to be sure, but specifically of, of grudges, just ask the question, what did I hire this grudge to do? Uh, did I hire it to, to protect myself? you know, to defend myself from somebody? Did I hire it to make me feel stronger? I hire it to increase a sense of sympathy from other people and then evaluate its job performance. <laughs> Literally go down the list of why you hired the grudge and see if it's doing what you hired it to do. And what you find is that grudges perform badly. They don't do what we want them to do. And so then you fire them, you fire your grudges. So hire grudges slowly, but fire them fast. And in doing so, you, you clear off so much of this, this, this um, you know, like, you, like you're saying, all of this data that's just slowing down the supercomputer of our brains uh, and making it harder to concentrate, to focus, to make progress on the things that really matter most. So then we ask ourselves, what are the grudges doing? What are the next questions we need to ask ourselves? About the grudges or just other things to declutter our minds? About the grudges. What do we do after we fire them? (laughs) A lot of people think of forgiving somebody else as something you can only do when you feel fully resolved. I feel that I've forgiven you. Now I can actually forgive you. I could say that to you, or I could, it's like the words come after the feeling. And I just think it's exactly the opposite, that you need to say the words, not even to the other person involved or to the people involved. It's just, you say it out loud. You you treat forgiveness like a checkbox. I am forgiving you. It's done. It doesn't mean that they've done, what they've done is right. It doesn't mean that they're going to apologize. It doesn't mean, in fact, almost certainly that they will make everything right through their actions. It's, it's, it's very unlikely that that's going to happen. But if you can literally just choose it, make the choice yourself, you suddenly realize you're not doing something for them at all. You're just freeing yourself of this, um, of this parasite that's clinging onto you and dragging you down and sucking out energy from you, uh, it's serving itself, not serving you at all. Uh, grudges uh, are, are, are neither poor, that they're poor servants, they're poor masters. They have no utility, literally almost no utility at all. I'm thinking now of, um, of Chris Williams, who had, if anyone ever had an excuse for holding a grudge. Uh, He's driving in the winter months 
uh, in Utah. He's got his wife, an unborn child next to him, children in the back of his car. His car is hit broadside by a drunk teenage driver, kills his wife and unborn child immediately, one of his children also, another in you know perilous physical condition. He's sitting there in this mangled, crushed car, metal broken everywhere, screaming, just screaming. He didn't even know it was him at first. He just could hear the sound and suddenly realizes it's him. But in true desperate agony, right? And in that moment, this is one of the things that makes the story compelling to me when he told me about it, is in the moment while he's sitting in the car, while he can see his wife not breathing, he discovers two paths. Uh, he can hold on to the grudge and the anger and refuse to forgive. And then he's going to take this catastrophic situation and destroy the rest of his life. Uh, or he can forgive in that moment so that he has a chance of all that mental and emotional rebate and get to refocus it on the work that now needs to be done, which is rebuilding, you know, the surviving members of his family, uh, rebuilding a life and discovering new meaning that is now in such an unthinkable, unimaginable situation. And he does it. And that's profound too. He makes that choice. Now, does that mean that his path is easy after that? Of course not. But is it easier? Significantly. Now, I share that story just to illustrate something more about what you do once you fire the grudge. He didn't, and he, he taught me this. He says, you can't hold on to forgiveness. Like if you make it conditional, it won't work. Because even if the other person, as was the case in, in his situation, goes to jail, right? So there's a sort of sense of justice. Well, he did go to jail. But if you make it conditional, your forgiveness conditional on that, you can be held captive for, for forever. Because you say, well, yeah, but is he paid fully paid the price? My, my wife's not back. My unborn child is never coming back. Like, there's no point at which he can pay the full price back. So suddenly he'll still be in his own jail waiting for this person to do it. And then what if the person apologizes, which they've actually built a relationship together? Because... You know, so that's beautiful. But if you're not careful, you say, well, is he, real, is he remorse, remorseful enough? Does he understand fully what he's done? And you see, if you, this is the problem with conditional forgiveness. This is the problem with and why it clutters us up so much and so deeply and so heavily it is, that, is that it's like what we, what we want from the other person often cannot be given. And so you're, 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 making you're focusing on something that's outside of your control and it may be outside of anybody's control and so now you are going to be significantly weaker than before the as soon as you can start to forgive or even forgive completely it doesn't mean they don't they are not responsible it doesn't mean the other person's not accountable it just means that you get your life back and can start focusing on the things that you can do something about uh, and, and that that is uh, is a far better and really by comparison far easier way to go. What do you mean when you say simplify? Start with zero. 
Well, one of the professional elements of of writing Effortless was working with companies that had discovered um, the the competitive advantage of effortless um, processes and solutions. Um, so I've done a lot of work with Apple, and still now, uh, but but also before when Steve Jobs was still alive. The idea of creating an effortless experience for a consumer was compelling. And so what that really looks like is simplifying the experience for them because making something effortless is removing cognitive burden. If you can, if you can, if you can like, let's say, um, you know, not make someone have to think uh, about, a series of steps, then you've made the process easier. And if you can make them not think at all, then it's now effortless. And in a world of growing complexity, we are just delighted when we have an experience that's easier than we expect it to be. Most things are harder than we expect them to be. So if it turns out to be easier, that's marvelous. And it's just such a breath of fresh air. There's real value in that. And if you can capture that value, you can create a lot of business benefits. And so, you know, let's just use one illustration from from Apple and from Steve Jobs. This is back in the days when DVDs were, uh, DVD burning was brand new. Uh, there was a company that would sell a DVD machine for maybe $35,000. I mean, it's really expensive, industry specific. The manual that went along with the machine was a thousand pages long. And that whole company got purchased by Apple and they had two weeks to prepare a presentation for Steve. They knew the mission was to create a really simple software offering that could be put on the Mac as standard and so that everybody could suddenly have access uh, to a DVD burning machine. So they prepare, they're really proud of what they've done. They've taken that complexity, they've removed steps they got rid of loads of features, and of course, they're comparing it to a thousand-page manual. Steve walks into the room and he says, "Listen." He walks up to the walks up to the whiteboard and he draws a rectangle and he says, "Okay, here's one button that says burn. You drag your file to there and you click that one button. That's the app we're going to build." And I was talking to Mike Evangelist, real name, um, who was. In, in the room and he'd been at the company and he'd seen the two weeks process and he was so proud of his slides until Steve said that. And then he was embarrassed of the slides. He never, never showed them. He didn't want to because what he'd done was so much simpler. And he said it was all worth it. The embarrassment was fine because he learned a lesson for a lifetime, which was that Steve wasn't trying to take complex things and make them simple. He was always starting with zero and asking, can I achieve this thing in one step? Can I make it so much easier than it's been previously? And I found that to be true in not just in Apple, but in other technology firms. We don't have time today, but it, 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 Jeff Bezos at Amazon uh, it did similar things with one-click uh, you know, checkout. Uh, can we do it in one step? And so the, the rule for the rest of us is when you're dealing with anything you're trying to achieve, don't start with the complex version and simplify. You say, how can I start with zero? Can I achieve this in one step? What might it look like if I could achieve it in a single step?
Oh my God, that is good. That's amazing. (laughs) We've asked you before what your nobody told me lesson is, but we want to ask you again. So what did nobody tell you about gratitude, appreciation, simplifying life and the things that matter because it would have made your life happier earlier? Um, The thing that comes to mind when you ask me that is is the sensation I have now that the whole world is made up of people no smarter than you or I, you know, no, when I say no better informed, I don't mean that there aren't things that people know that I don't know. I'm appalled at all the things I don't know, but that, 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 that we don't live in a world where, some people are just so much more gifted, so much more able, uh, or just a different kind of superhuman, whatever. It, it's just just people that do extraordinary things really are normal people. And, and so as my life has gone on, uh, I find myself now at a stage in life where uh, I I just believe right now I'm having a sort of renaissance experience of of possibility of things that other people have achieved that I'm inspired by and I now think right that's what you're going after that's what you want you can achieve these things maybe you can achieve them anyway um, maybe it isn't just for a certain type of person or maybe it's just your own mental assumptions that are getting in the way of what is really possible. And Greg, how can people connect with you on social media and the internet? Um, I, I, I'm active on LinkedIn. Um, and so you'll get lots of you know, free content there that I hope is useful in reaffirming these ideas. Uh, also on Instagram and Twitter at Gregory McEwen. Um, but also at essentialism.com where we're just about to launch a big new challenge um, details to follow. So if people want to sign up for the newsletter, they should do that. Uh, I send out a, a one minute Wednesday newsletter. It's, uh, it aims to be the, the best minute somebody spends online every week. <laughs> wow. <laughs> goal. And, uh, and also just, just began a, a Monday newsletter where we go through some really good detailed show notes uh, for the What's Essential podcast that comes out also every Monday. So that, uh, that works in concert. Uh, and I'm just, you know, I'm trying to create a full platform for people to be able to help make it uh, as effortless as possible uh, to do what's truly essential. And to me, that's a mission that matters. Yeah, we absolutely love your work and and we just get so much from talking with you and we really appreciate your your spending time with us again. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. Again, our thanks to Greg McEwen, whose latest bestseller is called Effortless. Make it easier to do what matters most. It is fabulous. Go and check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. You're listening to Nobody Told Me. Thank you so much for joining us. 